surprised anybody came. There's no, there's no free breakfast. Uh, this Boy, it is a, an honor to, to be here this morning. And congratulations to you all on the first anniversary. Patsy and I, we may have talked to you, we just celebrated our 40th anniversary, so uh, you know, a little, little longevity there and uh, a little blessing in God's uh, hand in that. I can always remember when we uh, first got married and we started having children that uh, we thought, well, you know, at our 10 years anniversary, it would seem like it was way in the future. Uh, we're going to go to uh, we're going to go on a cruise. So anyway, as that 10th anniversary approached, and for some reason it was right on the day we were moving from the east coast to the west coast, and we found ourselves with three small children and a little Motel Six in Fort Stockton, Texas, as we're driving <laughs> to the to the west coast, and uh, we thought. I thought we were going to be doing something else. This is our 10th anniversary. But anyway, we finally did make that cruise uh, uh, just a few uh, few weeks ago. And it was, boy, what a special time that was. Anyway, uh, but I just want to say it is an honor to, to be up here before you. Um, and I stand before you as an unworthy uh, sinner saved by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and uh, I'm, made on, I'm made worthy only in His righteousness. Uh, I love the verse uh, 2, Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21. Um, he made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. And uh, it's only in His righteousness that I, I can stand here and share with you God's Word. And I take it very seriously uh, in sharing God's Word with you. Uh, it's not uh, my opinion. It's not my Word. It's God's Word. And we've got His Word only. Um, you know, I've studied some. I've prepared some. I've prayed often in preparing for this, this uh, thing. You know, and yet it just seems like it's not enough. Does it ever seem like to you that, oh, I could have done more? I could have done more. Anytime any, any of you have gotten up to teach, you go, oh, man, I, I, I could have done more. But uh, anyway, here's what I've got. <laughs> so let's go. And let me uh, digress uh, in a positive way for a moment. And I want to thank uh, uh, Mike. I want to thank you for your hard work, your uh Preparation and teaching—it just shows. It's a gift from God. God has gifted you to teach, and and uh, I just wanted to uh, to thank you. I thank uh, everyone in here. Thanks you. You've really been a blessing to all of us. And may may in your support of Him. Um, and uh, I think of uh, Ezra seven ten. I know you can quote it. It's such a great verse. Uh, you know, it says that uh, Ezra. Uh, set his heart to uh, to study God's Word, to obey it, and to teach it. And uh, we really see that in your life. And uh, we're, we're just so grateful for that. And you know, in that verse, a lot of it gets goes to the study uh, and 
teach, uh, study, obey, and teach, but they forget to say that he set his heart. And that's what we've got to do. And we all need to, to look at verses like that. Paul, I wanted to thank you for your faithfulness and and serving us in so many ways here. And uh, I tell you, this is a great class. I love the mixing of the generations. Um, you know, and so we're so encouraged, folks, at the one-year anniversary and, uh, and uh, those of us who are getting older. You know, uh, Paul's letters to Timothy and to Titus talk about the generations mixing, and it's important that we do that. Well, enough of my... Preamble there, whatever you want to call it. But uh, I want to start with a question. Have you ever heard the phrase, the truth shall make you free? Okay, where, do, where does that come from? John chapter 8. Hmm? John chapter 8. That's exactly right. Yeah. But where do we. Are there any examples of how we hear that used in our secular society? The truth shall make you free. Anybody heard it said, and it wasn't from a biblical context? I've seen it used before, so I, I've seen it used before. Somebody, like, it's in a cartoon where somebody lies, and then they, like, tell the truth, and then they get in trouble, they're like, oh, well, I thought the truth was supposed to set you free. Like, you know, like, what happened? <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, yeah. It's it's used in teaching children to tell the truth. You know, you'll be free, or your conscience will be free. Any other uh, people or places that you hear the uh, term "the truth will set you free"? Well, you know, uh, you know, you hear I, I hear politicians use it. Um, well, here, educators and universities, uh, it's part of their motto. Um, look at uh, Johns Hopkins University, Ottawa University, SMU, Southern Methodist University. Their motto is Veritas Libera Vos, which means, you know, uh, truth, freedom for you. And uh, the University of Texas uses the whole verse, verse 32 in chapter 8 of John says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, um, you know, the, the academic institutions are saying, we'll teach you the truth, okay, so, and it'll set you free. Um, anybody ever heard of a lady named Gloria Steinem? <laughs> you know, anybody heard of did you want to say Patsy be a move over one and then you can have it? You know, I am shocked that you've got a full house. You know, no, no free breakfast. <laughs> There's some muffins over there, but, uh, you know, and then they hear that the back benchers are uh, teaching this morning, so anyway. But um, Gloria Steinem, uh, you know, one of the, the uh, feminist uh, icons of the 60s and the 70s, uh, she uh, stated that the truth will set you free, but the first it will make you mad. And there's some truth to that. You know, that truth can, can hurt, truth can uh, make you angry. And, uh, but uh, her whole situation was a lot different. Uh, well, we don't have time to get into that. Some book titles. The truth uh, shall set you free. 
uh, Sally Lowe Whitehead, it's a memoir. Um, another uh, book title, The Truth Shall Set You Free, Alice Miller, a self-help book. I'm sure now Amazon's going to get flooded with uh, requests <laughs> for these books from you all. And here's one that I really like, uh, Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. He actually, he, he actually had some uh, uh, musical talent, and he uh, made a song called The Truth Shall Make Me Free that he would teach to children, you know, using that, that phrase there. But anyway, um, any others, any others that anybody can think of? You know, how we, we just hear this all the time, the truth shall make you free or truth shall set you free. Um, well, let's get into our text. Uh, enough of my babble there. Uh, John chapter 8. And we're going to look at verses 30 to 36. It's actually divided in a lot of Bibles at 31, but 30 has an important phrase in it. Um, John chapter 8, verses 30 through 36. And I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. Okay. As he spoke these things, many came to believe in him. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a, the slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. It's a powerful passage. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm excited that uh, that you may be going into the Gospel of John. There's so much, uh, all the way through, starting in chapter one, and just it's just just so loaded and uh, so rich. And uh, maybe that's where we'll be going next in terms of uh, of uh, study. But anyway, here we're talking about freedom and truth in verse 32 kind of what we've highlighted. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Um, you know, there are two powerful concepts, freedom and truth, and the, and the pursuit of freedom and truth, if we look at world history, has basically shaped our world history in terms of the pursuit of these two concepts. Okay. Um, Truth. Let's look at that right now. It's all over Scripture. Someone look up uh, John chapter uh, 18, verse 38, and read that for us. Any any uh, of the uh, translations. John 18, verse 38. Okay. Um, says, Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find myself in him. So anyway, what, what was the question that Pilate asked? What is truth? It's classic. It's classic. 
ask, and I think man, you know, mankind and throughout all ages, what is truth? What is it? Uh, John chapter 16, verse 13. Will someone look that up? John 14, verse 6. Has anybody ever memorized that one? John 14, verse 6. Let's have somebody share that one. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus is speaking here saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know, I'm kind of thankful for this verse. It's the verse, and along with Acts uh, chapter 4, verse 12, the Apostle Peter mentions there's no other name under heaven which we should be saved. But just think of this verse. It's what gets us in trouble with the secular world. Is that right? It does. It makes us too exclusive. Narrow-minded. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Um, It's powerful. But He is the truth. Jesus is the truth. Um, and in Paul's letters, we don't have time to go into how much. You can go to a concordance and just look up truth, and it's just all over. And it's all over Paul's letters. And we'll, we'll touch on a few of those at the end that are very, very powerful. But so in Paul's letters, truth is, is, is all over the place. In the Old Testament, truth is all over the place. And again, we don't have time to uh, to, to go. There's so, so many more. So we can conclude from verse 32 that truth is foundational and leading to freedom. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But it's foundational for um, for freedom. Okay, and we'll look at that here briefly. Um, but let's explore it. When we define the word freedom... How can how do we normally define it? Usually, um, we can say kind of the opposite. Well, then that means you're enslaved to something. Okay. Um, what do you? What did the Jews, who he was speaking to here in our text, what did they think he was talking? About? Thought he was talking about actually being slaves in a worldly sense. We've never been slaves. And then, what's what's wrong with that right there? Well, I mean, they said they're children of Abraham. It's like, well, that means you were slaves for, say, several hundred years. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And they're a little confused about their own lineage. Exactly. Yeah. And even during this time, they were political slaves. And Rome. And then we think of uh, the Babylonian captivity. Uh, they, uh, they were uh, enslaved, basically. Uh, and then to Greece, Greece uh, partially, and then fully to the Romans. Yeah. 
So yeah, there was kind of a disconnect there. Verse 33, you know, states what they thought. And he says, well, we've never, we've never been slaves. Um, so Jesus addresses the uh, this uh, question that they had in verse 34. So somebody read verses 33 and 34 um, in John chapter 8. They, they answered him, we are, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How, how is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Yeah. So Jesus pretty much cuts to the chase right there in verse 34. And he's talking about slave slavery to sin. Um, think about freedom in, in, in our world view and our secular view. In the United States, what, what what's a phrase we often hear? Freedom of speech. Yeah. yeah. All that, yeah. Okay, freedom of speech, freedom to assemble, freedom to protest. It's written into our Constitution. It says, uh, you know, life, you know, that we are free to pursue life, liberty, and uh, pursuit, pursuit of happiness. Uh that's just what, you know, kind of what we, uh, and hopefully the younger generations are, are learning our documents. Uh, but, um, but anyway, uh, life, liberty, uh, the pursuit of happiness. What about in the world? What do we hear um, in a secular sense? What do we hear from the world, um, you know, what, uh, about freedom or lack thereof? We hear we hear a lot. On, we watch the news. You know, you see people oppressed. You know, just in terms of their ability to what to do. Uh, uh, you think about women in in some of the uh, Muslim countries, uh, how they are um, oppressed uh, through the Sharia law. Um, we, uh, I mean, we can go on and on. The oppression of all types. What's that? The freedom that their, their world offers is, is actually bondage. I mean, right. it's just a counter, it's right. kind of, you know, it's, it's just a, you know, the, it's, it's counter. Yeah, and I'm just trying to get what we hear around us and uh, in terms of, uh, you know, what the definition of freedom is. Well, it's part the fact that, you know, Thousands and thousands are trying to come into our country because they consider this a free country. They want the freedoms that they don't have in their country. Yep. But like Mike is saying, that may not be the freedom of Exactly. And then, of course, we hear the we we hear the uh, phrase "free stuff." Yeah. Free stuff. So. Anyway, but let's get back to our biblical definition. But it's good for us to get the context of what we're surrounded by uh, every day uh, in terms of this term freedom. Um, is all of mankind, I'm talking about us as a whole, and I'm talking about everybody outside the, our walls here, uh, just the entire world, um, is mankind as a whole enslaved to sin? I see a bunch of yeses. Yes, yes, yes. We are. We all are from the fall. Ever since the fall in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, we have been enslaved to sin. Okay. Is a 
listen to me closely now, is a believer in Christ enslaved to sin. A believer in Christ enslaved to sin. some phrasing here uh, on in verse let's go back to verse 30 okay in chapter 8 chapter 8 verse 30 as he spoke these things many came to believe in him and then so Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him if you continue in my word then you are truly disciples of mine is there a difference between a believer and a true believer? Was that? Yeah. And so we, yeah. I, I mean, you also think the parable of the sower, where like there's plenty of times where you see the initial fruit of salvation, but the steadfastness or the passages about talking about working out of salvation, a lot of the Bible doesn't say you, you pray a prayer and then you're saved. It says you believe and can You stole a little bit of my thunder in the parable. That's good. No, I'm glad because I'm sure we'll probably run out of time. And uh, but uh, yeah, this is going well. But um, many will quote verse 32. You know, the, the, you know, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. But they don't realize the context of verse 31, and it's not read because it's it's kind of hard. What is a true disciple for a true believer? Now, this is where it gets a little tough here. What is a false? Do we ever? Do we have anything? Do we have a false disciple? Do we have a false disciple? Do we have a false believer? Well, Luke chapter eight, parable of the soils. Our, our, our scholar over here just mentioned was that you know it, it's it, it mentions in one of them with the soils that's rocky. It's just those who believed for a while. If you look at uh, uh, Luke 8, 13, it's, it's you know, those who believed for a while, and then what happened? Carried the world. the world. And, they, and what did they do? They fell away. They fell away, exactly. Uh, somebody look up John 6, verse 66. John 6, verse 66. Says, uh, After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Because these, the sayings and the teaching was, was hard. It was difficult. And that's what I love about the Gospel of John. You know, that just, you know, he's talking about his flesh and 
eating his flesh, and if you go into all that, it's uh, it's it's heavy, it's heavy teaching. But but they walked away because it was too difficult for them. It didn't match their thoughts of what the Messiah was going to be. It, 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 uh, and uh, okay, we've got another hard one. To, let's look this one up. Uh, somebody, uh, Matthew seven, verses twenty-one to twenty-three. This to me is haunting. Matthew says, very end of the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Anybody got that? Matthew 7, 21 to 23. Okay, sir. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy your name and your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. What does that say? That's tough. I mean, they even did, we could say, the Lord's work. And it basically was a false belief. Um, Hebrews chapter 6, chapter 10, there's other, Hebrews has some incredible verses on this that we need, they're tough, and that we need to understand them. Um, but um, another thing, in Matthew 13, uh, 24 to 30, it talks about the wheat and the tares. And, you know, the tares being the weeds, basically symbolizing the false believers. Uh, but there's always going to be false believers among us. And we need to be aware of that. This is hard teaching and um, it's not comfortable. I have a question. We're not going to get into this. But a question, can we lose our salvation? See, if you superficially read this, you can think, wow, man, I think we can lose our salvation. Of course, there's a lot of scriptures and you know, hopefully you can do some digging. But uh, we are truly, truly in His hand. Uh, no one can snatch us out of His hand. Uh, John chapter ten uh, is the sheep and the shepherd and the sheep. Uh, so uh, there's a lot of comfort for us who we can say are, are true believers. We're not perfect. We may mess up. It's not our. Uh, it's not our profession, but it's our direction. It's not our. our, our it's not our perfection. Because we won't be perfected until glory. Uh, we will battle sin all the days of our lives. But um, anyway, uh, those are some thoughts on freedom and you know, truth and freedom, truth leading to freedom. Um, but I have two takeaways I'm hoping that we can all get from this. And this is where I get this from uh, John MacArthur. Uh, I don't, I know, I, I, I've listened to him, I've listened to his uh, message on this passage a few times already here just in the last week took notes from it and there's some things that really stood out to me and I wanted to share with you and I don't take credit or you know but John MacArthur is really a, a hero to me uh, in terms of bringing the scriptures together uh, boy, I, I, that's one reason why we, we found ourselves here at Timberlake Baptist Church was the influence that MacArthur's had on so many the pastors and really a lot of the lay people here, uh, and he's, it's so good. Uh, but anyway, the two takeaways um, 
I get are from verse 31 is the benchmark of true discipleship. And the second one is the benefit of true discipleship. Uh, verse 32. We'll look at the benchmark again, uh, verse 31, and I'll read that again. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. Okay, there's that word, if. It may be the biggest word in the English language. If. And if is used a lot in scriptures. We think of other places. If two or three are gathered in my name. If uh, uh, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you will, it shall be done for you. But the word if is used. So, you know, it's a... Uh, conditional phrase and then think, well, that works. So that means i got to do something. Well, yeah, you do. You do. But you will do it in the power of God and He's given you the strength to do it. Uh, and so it's not our works on our, our part. It's works that He's working through us. But that if is very, very important. Um, you know, it, it's, but it's not, the, it's not works. Um, in terms of on our own. Um, I like the New American Standard version and uses the word continue, but a lot of your versions probably use the word abide, but they're basically the same. Um, the word abide comes from uh, the word abode, which is a home. It's a, you know, and it's like settling down and being home uh, is in, in abiding or continuing no matter what you know. we're going to talk about you know, the storms of life, you know, that we will continue. Uh, but uh, it says, if you continue, so it's a form of perseverance or endurance. And uh, so that's from verse uh, 31. Um, you know, uh, oh, so many, so many good verses. I wonder if I have time. Somebody look up Matthew um, 10, verse 22. These are the benchmarks of true discipleship. Let me read 10.22 in Matthew. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. We need to understand that verse. We need to understand what it means. How about Matthew 24.13? salvation is. And um, uh, John chapter 14 verses 15 and 21. Let me read those. Uh, about abiding and continuing there in John 15 
Uh, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will, it shall be done for you. Um, but anyway, the benchmark of true discipleship would be endurance or perseverance, uh, obedience, uh, and continuing. And so the true believer it continues in loving obedience, no matter what, no matter what the storm is. Um, uh, not perfect, stumble, we will repent and return. All of us, all of us will do that. Now, let's look at the benefit of true discipleship from verse 32. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Uh, and you will know. What that word know, um, is there, does that bring up anything to you in terms of knowledge or um, learning, that type of thing? What it is, it's a process. It's a process. So we... We just we will grow in knowledge, and, and the Apostle Paul talks about that a lot, growing in the knowledge of truth. Um, but we'll know the truth. It's a process. Uh, somebody look up Ephesians 4. Getting close to the end here. You know, I didn't know if I was going to finish 10, 15 minutes early or get halfway through. <laughs> Does that ever happen to you? When you go, hey, Amanda, what's going to happen? Ephesians 4, verses 20 to 24. Somebody will read that. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupting according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Exactly. And so, and it's through the truth of Jesus at the, at the basis of that will lead us to take off the old and put on the new. Again, it's a process. Uh, John 17, 17, uh, Jesus says that word is truth. That word is truth. Um, Patsy shared a verse with me, and I want you to look it up for me. Galatians 5, 13. In fact, it was in one when we were discussing this a couple days ago, and uh, she um, this is part of her uh, devotional time. Galatians five thirteen. For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Exactly. I could ask somebody to read the entire chapter of Romans six, but will somebody look up Romans six eighteen? Got two more verses and we'll, we'll wrap it up. We've been set free from sin and we've become slaves to righteousness. I love that because we're all going to be slaves to something. You know, have you ever had somebody say to you, oh, you're a Christian? Oh, that Christianity stuff, that's just a crutch. You know what the best response is? Yeah, it is. What's yours? Everybody's got a crutch. Everybody leans on something. Everybody, you know, it could be education. It could be drugs and alcohol. It could be, I mean, we can go the gamut. But uh, basically, we are dependent upon our Lord Jesus 
for everything. And you could say, yeah, he is a crutch. But anyway, that's important. Last verse. That is two verses. Romans 8, verses 1 and 2. Romans 8, verses 1 and 2. Scriptures are just, and we've, we've just barely scratched the surface of verses that can tell us about what a true believer is and, and uh, what freedom, what truth is, and what uh, uh, freedom is. And, um, and then in verse 36 of our, our uh, passage, um, Jesus says, So if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. I love indeed there. Just it gives that little point that we are free indeed in our Lord Jesus. So in conclusion, you know, we've kind of discussed what a true disciple is. Um, a genuine follower of our Lord. One who endures, perseveres in the faith no matter what the trials are or what the blessings are. To the end, lovingly and obediently, a true believer. And I just trust that all of us here are that. That we're growing. We're all at different stages. But, uh, and then the benefits to know the truth, salvation truth, kingdom truth, eternal truth, and that truth will set us free from the bondage of sin. And so I say with the old gospel hymn, Oh, happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. You want to sing it, Patsy? <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, any thoughts or questions? But let's let's digest this. Let's live it, and let's share it with other people. And uh, just an important, important concept: our truth and freedom. Any other any thoughts at all? Well, when you, I know sometimes when you try to share the gospel with other people, you will see the the hate come out with that one verse that you. John fourteen six. Yeah. got to trust that the Holy Spirit's been working in their life. Uh, so, yeah, that's right. Anything else? Well, you're not alone in the struggle, the struggle, that struggle at all. So, yeah, um, many of us could talk to you about that. Hey, David, go ahead. The, uh, theologian philosopher R.C. Sproul, he, he kind of talked about that 
to a student one time, and the student came in and was saying, I, I'm just not sure, you know, if I'm saved. And, uh, and, and R.C. Sproul just kind of said to him, well, it's no problem. I mean, all you have to do is, you know, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's wrong. <laughs> don't, don't you have, don't you love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? And the guy kind of hung his head lower, you know, like, no. He goes, well, um, all right, there, there may still be hope. Do you, do you love him enough? No. You know, just enough. And the guy said, uh, no, I don't think so. And he said, well, let me ask you one more question. Do you love him at all? Do you love Jesus at all? And the guy said, yes. And with kind of with tears in his eyes, and R.C. Sproul's answer to him was, well, congratulations, you're, you're a Christian. <laughs> because that love that we have for Christ at all is something that's a gift from him. It's not something we can generate on our own. We may not walk in that love perfectly, that's the but it's, thing, if yeah. it's there at all, it's a gift from God. Mm-hmm. And that's only something that he gives to his, his sheep, right? to his children. So we want to be more and more loving him. Yes. But it doesn't mean we have to be perfect. Yeah, and another That's heaven. And another evidence like, another evidence of that is uh, is when we mess up, we sin, that we hurt and we feel bad about it. And I can tell you do. I can tell you do. So be encouraged. That's Help us to love you more because of this time and our time in the worship service uh, that uh, will bring glory to you and uh, give us strength to live for you.